Uh, last week, we finished Micah and uh, Nahum in one night, which was really, really uh, neat. Uh, tonight, we're going to be going through the book of Habakkuk, which only has uh, three chapters. Next week, we're going to be in the book of Zephaniah, which only has three chapters. And then after that, we have the book of Haggai, which only has two chapters. So uh, if you snooze, you lose. If you, you miss a week, you can go back to the recordings. Uh, Don and Jeff always uh, make sure that it is recorded. Habakkuk is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It, it is small uh, but powerful. The theme of Habakkuk actually comes from Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, verse 4. And by the way, this verse is quoted multiple times in the New Testament. It is the seed for our faith. And it comes from a small uh, Old Testament book that most people don't even know how to pronounce. Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you pronounce it, depending upon your, you know, nationality. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. So, Father, tonight as we approach this amazing book, as we approach your word, I ask that you would speak clearly to us with power, Lord, that your word would come alive, uh, that it wouldn't just be a, a person up here, but it would be your word speaking to each and every single heart in this room and those that may hear uh, tonight or in the future. And so, Lord, I ask that your word would come alive to us tonight. Just these small three chapters that just have had an impact not only on the New Testament, not, not only on Paul's writings or, or other writings in the New Testament, but also in, in terms of history, where, where re revival comes from, this, this small book, this small uh, verse here, this small phrase. And so, Lord, help us to see it and apply it to our lives in it. In a world full of questions, in a, in a world seeking for answers, we, we know where to go to for the, something that is greater than the answer. It's you. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen. Amen. Uh, hopefully you've read ahead if you've been following along with us. If, if not, uh, that's okay. We're we're in one of these sections in, in the Bible where, uh, for many people, it's, you know, the pages that are stuck together still, right? Or, or you, you turn a page and you miss a book, right? I mean, it's so um, compact in terms of how it is laid out. It starts like this in the book of Habakkuk, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet uh, beheld. This word oracle, we've seen this multiple times already, and we're going to see it uh, more times in the minor prophets. Uh, many translations translate it into burden. It's really the word burden in, in the Hebrew, and it's a, a term that's used by the prophets, this burden that's been given to the prophet to be given away. It's not meant to be kept. It's meant to be given away. And hopefully you've been uh, with us as we've been walking through this. And, and it's very similar when God convicts you. When, when God tells you to tell someone else, 
when God tells you, I want you to pray for that person. I want you to tell that person about me. And, and he gives you a burden. And what's the only way to relieve that burden on your heart? It's to obey. It's to give away that burden. It's the same thing with the prophets, the burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, beheld. We have no uh, really personal information about Habakkuk other than his name. And I love the definition of his name. His name means embrace. Habakkuk means embrace. And, and it literally encompasses the theme of the book. Have you ever had questions for God? You're not alone because Habakkuk had a whole bunch of them. In fact, if just by scanning through the first chapter, you're going to see question mark after question mark after question mark after question mark. Habakkuk had a boatload of questions for God. And guess what God did? He didn't answer him. He gave him something better than the answer. He didn't answer the direct questions. He gave them the solution to the question. Something better. In fact, the very first question that he has there in verses 2 through 4, it says, How long, O Yahweh, will I call for help and you will not hear? Have any of you ever asked that question? Lord, I'm waiting. I'm patiently waiting for you to come and help me. I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see wickedness and cause me to look on trouble? Indeed, devastation and violence are before me, and there is strife and contention is lifted up. You could be reading that from today's newspaper or blog or whatever you read for the news. Is there anything new under the sun? The, the Word of God is just as relevant today as when it was written some 2,500 years ago, when Habakkuk was on the earth. Questions are common. We all ask these kind of questions. There's violence everywhere. Lord, why do you allow this to happen? Lord, when are you going to intervene? When are you going to come and help us? Therefore, the law is ignored and justice never comes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes forth perverted. Habakkuk's going to ask a, a series of questions. They're going to be grouped into categories, if you will. Uh, that this first category that we see here at the, the beginning of, of chapter one here is God, where are you when I need you? God, where are you when I need, I need you now? Why aren't you coming to my rescue? And, and, and we ask those questions, and many times we think, oh, I'm, I'm all alone in asking that question. How many of you have asked that question even in this room? Habakkuk is even asking that. David asked that question. The, the prophets of old asked questions of God. The amazing thing is, God gives us something better. We'll see that as we walk through this amazing book. Continuing on there in verse 5, it says, See among the nations and look, be also astonished, be astounded, because I'm doing something in your day. This is God speaking. You would not believe it if it was recounted to you. God's working behind the scenes. 
And us with our, our physical eyes, most of the time we can't see what God is doing. But he's doing amazing things all around the world. The, the, the problem is, what do we look at? We're, we, we, we see the world, and, and rather than looking to God, what do we normally look at? We look at the news. We, we look at the bad things that are happening. We look at the, the violence. We look to our political leaders or our religious leaders or, or whatever it is. And we wonder, you know, where's the solution? We wonder what's going to happen. When is God going to come and, and somehow, you know, save the world? God says in verse 6 there, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldean, that bitter and hasty nation who walks on the breath of the land uh, to possess dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and exaltation come forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They're sharper than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. If you were with us when we were going through the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, uh, those prophets, they were there in the time of Babylon or the Chaldeans, as they were also uh, called. Uh, Habakkuk lived during that time just as a, a smaller scope, if you will. Uh, he precurses those uh, prophets and he warns of what is going to happen. Who is the one that's going to send the Chaldeans and the Babylonians? God is. God's going to send this harsh, swift, horrific nation to judge Judah and to judge the world at this time. And, and you, you may have the same question that I do that Habakkuk is going to have later on in the chapter. Why, why would God choose bad people to judge his people? Have you ever, you know, looked around and and wondered why bad people get good things? That they they got it through cheating, or they got it through bribery, or they got it through whatever it was. But it wasn't a a good means. It was it was some sort of bad means that they used in order to get what they have. And we wonder why doesn't God judge them now? Habakkuk had the same question. What, why, God, are you using the Chaldeans to judge us? Look, look at the description of the Chaldeans. It continues on. All of them, verse 9, uh, come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward, and they, they gather captives like sand, and they mock at kings, and, and the rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress. They heap up dirt and capture it. And then they sweep through like the wind and pass on. But they are all held guilty. They whose power is their God, lowercase g. Who is the one that controls the world? It's the Lord. And who is controlling the Chaldeans to bring judgment 
upon the people of Israel. It's God. Now, you know, if you've been with us, and I, I know most of you already know the answer uh, to this, so why, why is God judging his people? Why is God judging his people? Because they're worse than the nation. They're acting worse than the nation. And it's so easy, especially, you know, those of us that think, oh, well, I, I'm a good person or, or you know, I, I, I somehow, you know, deserve, you know, something from God. I, I deserve something good from God. And we wonder why, you know, instead God blesses those that, you know, may not or we may not think to deserve it. Or even when God causes judgment to fall upon us. Until we look in the mirror and understand that I deserve it too. Do we all deserve consequence for our action? The problem is, what do we do? We, we, we always judge ourselves by our intentions, right? And others by their actions. When it's the mirror of the Holy Spirit showing us that I too have sin in my life. And God in his loving provision and his loving judgment, thank God we're going to have communion tonight. We're going to be able to celebrate that. And it's always a preparation process. This should never be done flippantly. The Bible always tells us to prepare our heart. To examine our heart. Because judgment is coming to the house of God. And it starts there first. Verse 12, Habakkuk asks another question. Are you not from everlasting, O Yahweh, my God, my Holy One? Aren't you the, the greatest of the greatest of the gods? Aren't you better than everything? And aren't you transcendent? And aren't you almighty? And, and aren't you omniscient? And aren't you omnipresent? All those attributes. Aren't you holy, 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 the one who is high and lifted up? We, we, we have those titles for God, right? Look at what it says there in the rest of that verse. We will not die. You, O Yahweh, have, have placed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to reprove. Your eyes are too pure to see evil, and you cannot look on trouble. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Do you see the questions that Habakkuk has for God and how similar they mirror ours? I want to ask you a question. Because it's easy to, you know, think of ourselves in, in the same light that Habakkuk thinks of himself and the nation of Israel. I'm more righteous than they. I, I, I'm better than them. I'm, I'm saved. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? When did Jesus Christ die for you? When did Jesus Christ uh, give his life for you? Thank you. Yeah, Lewis, you were there on Monday nights when we were his enemy. 
That's when he died for us. Not, not when he waited up for us to get our lives in order or to become his friends or, or, or something like that. No, when did Jesus die for us? When we were the furthest from him. And, and if he's patient with us, if he's patient with me, do you think he can be patient with those that are also treacherous? as he calls the Babylonians. That even though he's going to use them to judge Jerusalem, that he's going to use them to judge Israel, that he himself is still giving them chance after chance after chance to repent. As we saw in the book of Jonah, and as we saw also in the book of Nahum, right? God gave them chance after chance after chance. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, most of the time when I pray, I come with my laundry list, as Kat was saying, or my shopping list, if you will, you know, right? Lord, give me this. So I, I, I pray for, you know, my family. I, I pray for, you know, the church or the pastors or whoever did. But, Lord, I need this, 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 right? In Jesus' name, you have to do it. Amen. Right? I said the Perfect phrase, right? Who has more important things to say? And I, I, I love what Kat's been doing up here and Rebecca and Hector. Those times where it's awkward, yes. Where you just sit quietly and listen to the Lord because he has a million things better to say than we. He, he has so much better things to tell us and we have to tell him. I'm not omniscient. I, I'm, I'm in need. And he's the one that meets those needs. And he has a lot more wisdom to give me than I have to give to him. Definitely, for sure, right? Continues on there in verse 14. And you have made men like the fish of the sea like creeping things without a ruler over them. The Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook, drag them away with their net, and gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore, they are glad and rejoice. In the book of Amos, when we were in the book of Amos, uh, we learned that this is what was going to happen to the northern kingdom of Israel when not only the, the Syrians would come in and, and take them away, they would come in with, with meat hooks and fish hooks and, and put them into the cheeks of these, you know, pompous uh, Israelites, you know, that, that you, know, the, you know, Amos in his satirical voice called them, you know, fat cows or, or cows of Bashan. You're going to be led through these brick, uh, breaks in the wall and you're going to be led to a place where you do not want to go with fish hooks and meat hooks in your mouth. This is exactly the same description there. In fact, those were the types of gods that the Babylonians and also the Assyrians uh, would worship. Therefore, they offer a sacrifice to their net, and they burn incense to their fishing net, they, because though these things are through these things, their portion is rich and their food is fat. Why or will they therefore empty their net and continually kill nations without sparing? When is it going to end, God? When are you going to finally Stop this horrific nation. 
By the way, God doesn't answer the direct questions. In fact, we're not going to find any answers to any of these questions in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's going to be given something better. This verse that we're going to be reading in chapter 2, that is the cornerstone to the whole New Testament. This verse that we're going to be reading here in chapter 2, that not only Romans quotes from, but also Hebrews as well, those two massive theological books in the New Testament, one written to the Gentiles, one written to the, the Jews. And he's going to say something profound that has transformed generations after generations where revival takes place because of one phrase, one verse. It's not all the questions. It's, it's not all the, you know, even the, you know, the shopping list. It's one verse. We read it here in chapter 2. Starting in verses 1 through 4, it says, I, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the fortification. I, I will keep watch to see. He will speak to me and, and how I may respond when I am reproved, just like Job did at the end of Job. Remember Job? Uh, that, that guy was, that was known for his patience. He didn't know what was going on in heaven. In fact, he, he probably had no clue what was happening in uh, heaven with Satan and God himself. All he knew that he was being, you know, covered with boils and having to scrape off the pus with a clay shard and his wife telling him to kill himself. All of his children dying. And he too had questions. And he, he says exactly the same thing in the book of I, I, Lord, I, I'm waiting for you to respond to me. And, and God didn't even answer Job to his direct questions either. He did something better. Verse 2, Then Yahweh answered me and said, God personally coming, intimately coming, and embracing Habakkuk. The very definition of his name. The transcendent one coming to the earth and intimately coming into creation itself. Write it on tablets distinctly that the one who reads it may run. And aren't you, aren't you glad, by the way, that he wrote it down? Otherwise, we wouldn't have the book of Habakkuk. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It pants towards its end. It will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it. For it will certainly come, it will not uh, delay. You see, we will always have questions. If God answered every single one of your questions today, guess what would happen tomorrow? I guarantee you, you'll have more questions. Guarantee it. Right? We're human. Oh, I, I forgot to ask you, God, by the way. God does something better. But by the way, you know, a lot of times we, we don't even go to God. You know, we, we don't even go to the scriptures. You know where we go most of the time? Hello, John. Bling, 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 you know, 10 o'clock at night, you know. 
I had a question. Or those guys that gather around after a month. And I, I, by the way, I love it. It's totally, totally fine. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Trust me. I love it. Or you call the pastor or whatever, you know. Guess what? We don't have all the answers. We don't. You know who does? God does. And God does it in much more graciously than, you know, I do. Or sometimes even the pastors do. He answers with this phrase. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. Same phrase that we read at the very beginning. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. And you've probably heard that verse before. And you probably, you know, and again, it's a very famous verse. We're going to see it in the book of Romans. But Romans, Paul didn't write that himself originally. He's quoting from the book of Habakkuk. Going all the way back to the prophet that was questioning God. And I'm sure Paul had lots of questions too of God. Paul had lots of problems too. He had lots of trials. He had lots of tribulation. And I'm sure he asked God many times, why didn't you let me go there? Why is it taking so long to go before, you know, the person, the emperor of the known world? Why, why is it taking so long to go on this trip? Why are you causing all these, these shipwrecks and these, these things to happen? And God didn't answer every single one of Paul's questions. But he did give a phrase that we see quoted from the book of Habakkuk. Look with me in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous will live by faith. What is better than the answer? What is better than the answer? Faith. Trust. Trust in the one who is almighty. Trust in the one who is in control. The easiest way to kind of, you know, and, and I mean, these are big concepts, but we all kind of grasp them in a human sense. If you've ever had a, a child or a son or a daughter, and maybe at the age of two or three, and they ask you questions, right? Can, can they understand the answer to those questions? A lot of the times they can't. And, 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 you know, I had to do this with my sons. I, I had to say, you got to trust me. Or, or, or wait until later. Or, or, you know, let me be the one that, that helps you in this. And it's the same thing with God, just to a much more infinite degree, because our minds are infinitely smaller than his. Because if we got all the answers, 
our mind wouldn't even be able to contain them. If, if we got all the answers, we wouldn't need trust or faith. If we, if we got all the answers to all of our questions, and we, had a, we wouldn't search the scriptures, or we wouldn't even go to him. I got the answer, now I can go and do my thing, right? I know my heart. It's so easy uh, when a question is answered to leave the answerer. To leave the one that answered. I, I got my, you know, whatever it is I typed in the computer, Google answered me, and now I can go to the next thing, right? But, but when God purposely allows us to go through trials and tribulations as Habakkuk and the nation of Israel is going through. And he, and he says, you have to trust me. You have to have your faith in me. It produces something better than the answer. It's an embrace from an intimate God. And sometimes an embrace, most of the time an embrace, is better than the answer. Because an embrace shows you that they're there. Have you ever been to a funeral? Someone lost someone. A death in the family. And you had no idea how to comfort that person. What's the best way to comfort them? Oh, I'll give you all the answers? No. What's the best way to comfort that person? Hug them. Be there. Sit beside them. They're not looking for, you know, you to talk. They're just looking for someone to be there. To help them. The next question that Habakkuk asks is, um, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And we, we, we always ask that question. There's a fallacy in that question, by the way. That there, there's an inherent problem with that question okay but we ask it all the time okay well why do uh, you know uh, bad things happen or good things happen to bad people okay why, why is that do you understand that we're all bad they're all sinners we're all in need of grace we're all in need of mercy and aren't you glad god does good for bad people because none of us would go to heaven otherwise. None of us would go to heaven otherwise. Look at what it says there in, in chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, piggybacking off of that same verse, thinking of the proud one will come back to that, and the righteous will live by faith. And indeed, verse 5, wine betrays the haughty man so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like shoal. He is like death, never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and assembles to himself all people. Will not all the, these lift up a taunting song against him, even satire and riddles against him, and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his, for how long, and makes himself rich with loans. Again, you're just like reading the newspaper. It, it, I mean, we've seen it, you know, whether it's the, you know, the Ponzi schemes or, or, or certain investments that are the, these get quick, get rich quick schemes, right? 
uh, where, where it's a house of cards just waiting to fall. Loan after loan after loan. Verse 7, will not your creditors rise up suddenly and those who make you tremble awaken? Indeed, you will become spoil for them because you have taken many nations as spoil. All that is left of the peoples will take you as spoils because of the human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town, and all its inhabitants. I, I, I don't know if you, I'm sure most of you know this, but you know it's one of those things when, you know, whether it's a car loan or a house loan, right, or, or, or some sort of credit card, you know, what, what, what happens if you miss a payment on those loans? Oh, oh, it's oh, it's okay, it's fine, right? Do they do that? No. Do you understand that there's a greater debt than a home loan? That, that there's a greater debt than a credit card. There's a greater debt than a student loan. There's a greater debt than a car loan that we all owe, every single one of us. It's called sin. And what is the wages of sin? You all know this death and the accrued interest is infinite and none of us can pay it down oh we we can try and we we you, people do all the time people try to do good works right pay down their debt make the balances scale right all as long as they're you know my my good deeds outweigh my that's that's a load of malarkey right why why because what are my good deeds worth? Filthy rags. They're nothing. Until I have a Savior. For by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works. Lest anyone should what? boast because what happens when i get to do it myself Look what i did i earned my way to heaven that's why it's always by grace who is the one that paid your debt and by the way he paid it all he paid it all right i can't i can't pay my own debt i can't pay my own way to heaven i can't pay my salvation I can't pay off my sin. They're infinite. They're, they're impossible for me to do. Only God can do that through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. It continues on there, verse 9 of chapter 2. Uh, Woe to him who is greedy for evil gain for his house to put his nest on high to be delivered from the hand of evil. You have counseled a shameful thing for your house by cutting off many people. So you are sinning against your own soul. Surely the stone will cry out from the wall. The rafters will answer it from the framework. The walls and the rafters know your sins. Those things that you think you do in private, those things that you, you think you do in, in the secret places of your life or your heart or your mind or your house or wherever you're at, guess what? There's always an audience. I had this, you know, this was way back in fourth grade. I still remember this. 
the name was Mr. Klukas. He, he was my reading, uh, we had a reading class, and, and I remember he, 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 he had this, you know, always came up with these amazing science things, you know, and, and he always described this device that supposedly scientists were working on that they could point it at a wall and obtain conversations that were made near that wall from the past. Like the wall stored the sound. It's amazing, right? That's nothing. The Bible tells us that. Yeah. Who sees what we do in private? Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with injustice. It is, is it not, behold, from Yahweh of hosts, that people toil for fire, nations grow weary for nothing, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. God is still gracious even to the unrighteous. And thank God for that. But, but by the way, what, what if, you know, Christ had returned back in, you know, 1990? or 2000, or, or even 2020? What if he had come back then? What, what, what if he hadn't waited? Would some of you in this room not be going to heaven? Aren't you glad God is patient? Waiting for the last one to come in, verse 15, woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix in your venom, even to make them drunk, so as to look on their nakedness, you will be filled with disgrace rather than glory. Now you yourselves drink and expose your own nakedness. The cup of Yahweh's right hand will come around to you. The utter disgrace will come upon your glory, for the violence done to Lebanon will cover you, the devastation of its breast by which you terrified them because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants, all these, these you know, snowballing of sins. You know, uh, we talked about this last week with alcohol. You know, alcohol isn't just one of those, you know, oh, you know, I'll, I'll just take a couple of sips or whatever it is, right? What, what, what can it lead to? It says it right here. People take advantage of you. In fact, it happens all the time. That's why, you know, guys take, you know, girls to bars, right? It's to try and take advantage of them or to get them drunk. Verse 18, what profit is the graven image when its maker has engraved it? Or a molten image, a, a teacher of lies for its maker trusts in its own making when he fashions speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood awake, to a mute stone arise. Is that your teacher? And we look up that and say, I don't do that. I don't do that at all. Yes, we do. All the time. It's that screen. It's that thing that we hold. Around. We, we, we ask Google more than we ask God. Do you know that, right? Right? It's horrible. We look at them and they're backwards people, though those were inanimate objects and we do exactly the same thing. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver. We just make it prettier, right? You know, the higher, you know, whatever phone you get, you know, all the covers and all the, the bling bling and all, all the things that comes with it, right? 
exactly the same. And there is no breath at all inside it. But Yahweh is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Amazing. Underline that verse. Highlight that. Who's the only one that's truly alive that I can go to at any time? God, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 38 to 40. This is at the end of that chapter that we call the faith chapter after listing all these, these people that had faith, right? They had tremendous amounts of faith. Abraham, the father of faith. You know, Enoch walked uh, by faith. Moses had faith. All, all these men and women of old that had tremendous amounts of faith. Look at what it says at the end of that chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 38 through 40, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in desolate places and mountains and caves and holes in the grounds, and all these having gained approval through their faith. Not, not by their actions, not by their deeds, but by their, their faith. Did not receive what was promised. They had tremendous amounts of faith, and yet they didn't get the promise. Did Abraham get to see the promised land? No. Not at all. Isaac, Jacob, didn't get to see the promised land. They, they knew that God would give them that land. Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. The, these prophets that we've been going through, many of them suffered horrendous heartache, horrendous problems in their life. And they, they asked God questions. They, had, they, they, they lived righteous lives. They followed God and did what he told them to do. Many times they didn't receive the promise. Look at why. Look at why. It says it there in the last verse. Verse 40, because God had promised or provided something better for us. Better. So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. God was waiting for you. God was waiting for me. God was waiting for us to fulfill his promises. The last chapter here, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to the Shigonoyah. <clears throat> this is a prayer that Habakkuk prays here in the last chapter. He asks one more question of God. Will I make it through this trial? Will I, will I make it through this tribulation? Will I make it through this problem? Oh, Yahweh, I have heard the report about you, and I fear, oh, Yahweh, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in rage. Remember compassion. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, God is faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, what happens when 
you know, it's our faith. When, when it's, you know, us that somehow lifting us up by our own bootstraps. Uh, us solving the problem. Rather than looking to God for help. Who, do you know that God has faith in you? Not, not because of who you are. But because of who lives in you. You know that he sees you right now at the right hand of, of the, literally in heaven right now. That he sees you already there. Isn't that amazing? We're, we're going to be in first Peter on, on Sunday. Peter was a failure multiple times. Why, why would God ever choose? Why would Jesus Christ ever choose Peter knowing that he was going to betray him? Why would he do that? I'm not going to answer that. You have to come on Sunday, okay? <clears throat> uh, we'll, we'll finish this chapter. It's really short. Chapter 3, verse 3, it says, God comes from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paransala. His splendor covers the heavens. The earth is full of his praise. His brightness is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hands. And there is the hiding of his strength. Before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him. He stood and measured out the earth. He looked and startled the nations. So the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan under wickedness. The tent, the tent curtains of the lands of Midian were trembling. When Habakkuk has all these questions and God is not answering him, he does something better. He embraces God. And he remembers what God has already done. Why are there so many passages in the, in the Old Testament that are just re repetitions of what God did? Hey, how he got, brought them out of bondage. How, how he brought them out of Egypt. How he did these miracles in the past. Why does God or the scriptures constantly reiterate what God has done? You know why? Because we forget. We, we forget. We, we forget what God did for us. We're not content. He did that for me. Now I'm going to go on to, you know, I need something else. Right? Other than trusting and having faith. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. If you were here with us when we were going through the book of Jeremiah, this was one of our key texts. I love this. This is right in the middle of the one of the most depressing uh, books in the entire Bible. The book of Lamentations lives up to its name. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the gall. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I will return to my heart. Therefore, I will wait in hope. Jeremiah is crying this from a pit. Uh, be, being rejected by all those people that God had told him to prophesy to, the loving kindnesses of Yahweh indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faith. Every single time that sun rises, what am I reminded of? 
that he's going to give me new compassion, new loving kindnesses, new mercies today, because our God is creative. Thank God for that. But he says this in verse 24. Lamentation 3.24, Yahweh is my portion, says my soul, therefore I wait for him. What is better than the answers? The embrace of the intimacy with Verse 8, back of chapter 3, did Yahweh's fury burn against the rivers or was his, is your anger against the rivers or was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation? Your bow is made bare. Rods were sworn unto battle by word, Salah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and withered. The downpour of waters passed by. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their lofty places. They went away at the light of your arrows, at the brightness of your flashing spear. All these amazing things that God has done. Do you believe that God did them? And that God will do them? In indignation, you marched through the earth. In anger, you trampled the nation. You went forth for the salvation of your people. For salvation, you were, excuse me, for salvation with your and this word messiah or messiah or anointed christ jesus christ bringing salvation the anointed one the messiah you crush the heads of the house of the wicked you lay bare from thigh to neck salah you pierced with his own sharpened rods the head of the strong, they stormed in to scatter us. Their exultation was like those who devour the afflicted in secret. You tread on the sea with your horses on the surge of many waters. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. I don't, I don't know if you've read this before. It's just a little short verse. Faithful is he who calls you. Who also will do. Does God keep his promises to his Yeah, It may not come in the time that we want it. But will God keep his to his people? Why? Is it because of our faith? No, it's because of his faith. Because he's faithful. Even when I am faithless. Just a couple more verses here. I heard and my inward parts trembled at the sound of my, my lips tingled. Decay enters my bones and in my place I, I tremble because I, I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. By the way, Habakkuk was in the city just like Jeremiah was in the city. It wasn't just, you know, the bad people that were left in the city. No, there was people that were righteous as well. Though the fig tree should not blossom and, and there be no produce on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, the yields, uh, fields yield no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God, my salvation. 
Yahweh, the Lord is my strength. He has set my feet on hinds feet and make me tread on my high place. Who bears us up on wings of eagles? And when does he do that? In the hardest times of our life. In the trials and the tribulation. By the, by the way, it says there it's a, a choir song. It, it, it's a song that's supposed to be sung. Isn't that amazing? The distress. We'll, we'll sing in just a little bit. I, I love the first Wednesday of the month. I love the first Sunday of the month. This is when we traditionally do the Lord's Supper. I, I'll ask the, the men to come forward. I'll ask the worship team to come up. I'm, I'm just going to read a, a couple of verses. We've been going through 1 Corinthians instead of Matthew when, uh, while we're in the minor prophets. And thank you for letting me go a little bit over time here. It says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, and I, I lay this to you. It says, therefore, whoever eats, the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must test himself, and in so doing is to eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And so I ask as the men hand out the element, just keep them to yourself right now and just meditate. Is there anything keeping me from you you right now, Lord? Is there anything separating you from me? Is there sin I need to confess? Is there maybe someone I need to go to? Is there there's something in my life that needs a change? And, and, and really seek the Lord during this time. As we listen to the worship team, the men are going to hand out the elements. We'll, we'll take it together in just a little bit tonight. Uh, 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 uh,